Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Uh, Even sometimes when you have the best pitcher in baseball and you're one of the best teams in baseball and you're facing one of the most mediocre teams in baseball, you sometimes still find yourself on the losing end of ball games. It's exactly what happened to the Houston Astros last night. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch the third, better known as RP3. I'm joined inside the studios by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Fightnames. We got a tremendous show lined up for you today. Three guests on this Thursday, August 11th edition of the show. Our good friend Jim Gazzolo, the great one. From the Lake Charles American Press will join us. Going to break down McNeese football fall camp. First year under Gary Goff. Looks like Walker Wood has emerged as the leader in the clubhouse to be the man that's going to run the air raid offense for Gary. What about the other battles? How does the offensive line look? So forth. Jim's going to break it all down for us at 7.30 this morning. Then at 8 o'clock less east from crescentcitysports.com will hop on with us our good friend he covers the new orleans saints we'll get the latest from training camp in metairie the extent of Jameis winston's injury what about the wide receiver battle i'm not talking about one two and three we know who those guys are what about the guys that were one two three and four last year who's in danger of not making the team We'll talk with Les about that at 8 o'clock. And then at 8.30, oh, man, we're going to go around the track. Rubbin is racing. Toby Christie from tobychristie.com. We're going to talk all things NASCAR. So Jim Gazzolo, 7.30 to talk in McNeese Cowboys football. 8 o'clock, New Orleans Saints football discussion with Les East. And then 8.30, NASCAR with Toby Christie. Those are our three guests. Of course, we're going to touch on NFL training camps, Raging Cajuns, fall football camp. We got to hear from them again yesterday after practice. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We'd love to hear from you. But we're going to start off with Major League Baseball. We're going to start off with the Houston Astros. Right off the top, Justin Verlander did not have his best stuff last night. It was good enough to win. 
but it wasn't his dominant performance that we've seen from him from the majority of the season. It was the most runs he had surrendered in a ball game since back on June 18th against the Chicago White Sox. So he had an off night. Make no bones about it. But the man who is the leading contender to win the American League Cy Young Award pitched well enough for them to win. He did a good enough job. Even an off night by Verlander is still better than most. And for a while, it looked like the Strohs were going to win this ballgame. They take the early 1-0 lead. They're in the bottom of the second. Rangers score two in the fourth, but the Strohs score a run in the bottom of the second. I mean, bottom of the fourth, rather. And that ties it up 2-2. The Rangers score a run in the sixth. Astros score a run in the seventh. It's a back-and-forth affair. Until the 10th inning, and then everything went to hell in a handbasket, as they like to say. Once again, Verlander, not his best, or not his most dominant performance, rather, because he's been so dominant all season long. There's a reason why he's your leader to become the American League Cy Young Award winner yet again. But oh, Astros bullpen. Madden comes in and pitches a whopping third of an inning. In that third of an inning, four earned runs, no strikeouts, and a walk. Woof. Not optimal. And look, even after Verlander left the game, you felt good about their chances. Yeah, he gave up three earned runs. The most runs he's given up in a game since June 18th. But he still gave him six strong innings, only five hits, three runs, struck out seven. Stanek comes in, pitches an inning, but gives up a couple hits, but strikes out a couple. Doesn't give up any runs. Naris comes in, one inning, One hit, no runs. Presley comes in. Clean inning, three strikeouts. And you wonder why they didn't leave Presley in. It's a tied game. Did they bring in Ryan Presley in too early? He's the closer. Could you let him pitch another inning? There's a decision there with Dusty Baker not being in the clubhouse right now for sickness and protocols. Is that a decision that Dusty would have made? It's a legitimate question. Because you bring in Presley and he strikes out the side. And then you don't bring him back out again. And you put in Madden. And he just wets himself. And, and, and ball game's over. I mean, the Strohs score a run in the bottom of the 10th, but you give up five runs. Five in the 10th inning. 
That's done, man. Altuve was 0 for 3, but he did draw two walks. I'm still not for sure why Yuli Gurriel is batting second in the lineup going 0 for 5. They brought in Mancini as a pinch hitter. And you know what he did as a pinch hitter? Not being in the lineup, but brought him in as a pinch hitter. Yeah, he went one for one. Got a hit. Diaz was a pinch hitter as well. Then was left in there to play left field. He, he went one for two. Once again, Astros did enough to win the game. They just had a relief pitcher have a meltdown. And that was it. And look, the Rangers, this is a rivalry for them. Rangers aren't very good. They're what, 12 games below 500? They're 49 and 61. They're not a good team. Not at all. But when you got your ace on the mound and he still only gives up three runs in six innings, you should be able to win that ballgame. This is one they let get away from them. And look, they got production at the plate. Tucker hit a home run. Alvarez hit his 31st home run of the season in the ballgame. Bregman had a couple of hits. Had a great defensive play as well at third in this ballgame. They should have won this game. This is one that they, they, they let slip through their fingers. And that's what's going to be frustrating for Astro fans. That you should have won this game. I just don't know. Presley comes in and strikes out the side. He struck out the side. It's a tie ball game. You don't bring him back out for the 10th? Yeah. 8-4 loss by the Strohs. But yes, it's going to be frustrating because you let the win and get away from you. It's frustrating because maybe some in-game decisions, particularly with how to use the bullpen, came back to bite you. You still get a chance to win the series this afternoon. Rubber match at Minute Maid Ballpark. First pitch, 110. Of course, you can listen to it live right here on the game. But here's the other thing. You didn't lose any ground in the American League because the Yankees lost yet again to the Seattle Mariners. The Captain documentary series starts playing on ESPN and the Yankees start losing. I'm just saying, we we talk about the All-Star break and how the Yankees have struggled since then. How about since the captain started debuting on ESPN, the docuseries on Derek Jeter? That happened around the same time. Just saying. Did it somehow get into the Yankees' head? We're like, well, we'll never be as good as that guy. 
We won't be as good as those teams in the 90s and early 2000s. So, because the Yankees lost, Astros are still tied for the best record in the American League. And they'll have a chance to win the series and get redemption this afternoon at Minute Maid Ballpark. Once again, first pitch, 110. That means no Jordy Holberg show this afternoon. Uncle Jordy gets the day off because we got day baseball for you right here on the game. So make sure to be stay tuned for that this afternoon. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, we're going to unveil our poll question of the day. It's a good one. It's about the Saints wide receiving core. Last year, they had four guys that were out there starting for them. This year, there's a good possibility that two of those four won't even make the roster. We'll talk about that next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. That's right, mouth-watering steaks made just the way you like them. Tremendous side dishes and everything else. Or... You could also score yourself a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, one of the best places for some nightlife here in the area. Or a little bit casual is more your speed for you and your lady. Not to worry, $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen is also available for you to win in our clubhouse. But you can only score these great prizes to help with your date night blues. By becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. It's time for us to unveil our poll question of the day. It's a funny thing with the New Orleans Saints. Last year, Michael Thomas's injury plays a huge role, right, in what happened But their wide receiving core, they were throwing out there the following. Marquez Callaway was your undrafted camp sensation who had been turning himself into the number one wide receiver. Traquan Smith, the former third-round pick out of UCF, known for his run blocking and his dropping of the ball. Kevin White. That's right, the Kevin White, one of the biggest draft busts in modern history. A gentleman who's been in the league and then was out of the league has yet to catch a touchdown. And, of course, Deontay Harris, who is now Deontay Harty. He changed his name. Not Hardy with a D, Harty with a T. Deontay changed his name. But he used to be known as Deontay Harris. Those were your wide receivers. Little Jordan Humphrey was also in the mix. He's now gone. 
all those guys are still on the roster as it stands this morning at 6.25 a.m. on August 11th. The problem is, I think, I know for a fact at least one of them and probably two of them won't be on the roster for the first game. Michael Thomas is back. He's your true number one. Boom. Chris Olave, you traded up in the first round to get, and he has been a sensation during training camp. He's now slotted as your number two. You signed Jarvis Landry, the hometown kid, the former LSU Tiger, on a team-friendly deal. He's going to be your slot wide receiver. Those are your top three wide receivers for the New Orleans Saints. What happens to the four dudes that were starting last year? There's only so many roster spots. Typically, the Saints carry six wide receivers. Not to mention, you got a couple of undrafted rooks pushing for playing time in camp, including Deshaun Dixon, the former Nichols star. That was surprisingly not drafted. Saints scooped him up, and he's been turning heads during camp. By the way, those undrafted rookies like that, cost the team very, very little money. Now, who's in danger? Those four guys that started last year, your top four wide receivers from a year ago, who's in danger of being cut? Is it Traquan Smith? I'm surprised they brought him back. But, The team loves them some Traquan Smith because Traquan is good at run blocking and holding a block going downfield, even though he drops the ball. They love him because he brings run blocking skills to the table. Is it going to be Deontay Harty, formerly Deontay Harris? No. He's their best vertical deep threat. The fastest guy in the wide receiving core. And, by the way, he's an all-pro, pro pro bowler, return man. Now, he's a little nicked up last year. But he's on a team-friendly deal. He's a speedster. He can stretch the field. And, you know, they're a big fan of what he can do. Even if he doesn't crack the starting four for the wide receiving core, he's going to be your return guy. I think it's going to come down to Marquez Callaway and Kevin White. And Callaway was the number one wide receiver last year. He may not even make the team this year. I don't think they're carrying seven wide receivers on the active roster. I just don't. I don't think they're going to do it. I could be wrong. Pete Carmichael and company may decide to do so. But it feels like to me that they're going to probably carry six. So you could have two of these guys that were starting last year be cut. Little Jordan Humphrey's already moved on to another team. He was also in the mix last year. I don't think Hardy gets cut. I don't think there's any scenario where that happens. And they really like Traquan Smith. Now, Traquan's on that one-year team-friendly deal. They're not paying him barely anything to have him back in the fold. So, 
if they decide that one of these other guys is just as good with run blocking, maybe they keep them instead. I don't know. But that leads us to our poll question of the day. Which Saints starting wide receiver from 2021 will be cut? Right now, early votes, 76% say Kevin White. 14% say Deontay Harty. I think some of y'all are confused and forgot that he changed his name. And you're thinking this is some other guy. And 5% each for Traquan Smith and Marquez Calloway. John Paul, the Cajun Daddy, says, I really don't see Kevin White being able to survive to the 53-man roster. When he was signed, it was to fill an empty spot, and at the time, he was the best option. Now, it's a competition. And John Paul also says, sadly, the only reason people are picking Hardy is because they don't know it is Harris, and he changed his name. Ton on Twitter says, the fact that they all started last year shows how bleeped up the wide receiver room was. With injury and lack of depth, I can't wait to see what this room and with its depth is going to do this season. That's the thing. The guys that are going to make the roster that were starters last year, they're not going to have the pressure. They're going to have great situations. Let's say Callaway makes the roster. Well, he's going to be their number four, number five option, maybe their number six option. When he does get on the field, he's not going to get doubled. He's not going to have to worry about a cornerback giving safety help on his route. He's going to have more favorable matchups. They'll get less targets. But when they do get targets, they're going to have an opportunity to shine. Hart on Twitter says, while Kevin might not make the wide receiver cut on roster, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they either put him on practice squad or if he made special teams room. They see something in him that a lot of us fans don't apparently see. JPK, the OD, says Kevin White waiting for the land shark. He also shared the great SNL land shark skit. Going to get hit with a note in his locker that says, Taco Tuesday in the cafeteria and bring your playbook. Bonus vote, Marcus Galloway to the practice squad. I could see that. I could see them trying to keep Callaway and just stashing him on the practice squad. Ralph Bergeron says Kevin White, six foot three, four, three, five, 40 yard dash, 36 and a half vertical, 23 bench press reps, number one draft pick, seventh overall in 2015, hands sponsored by Lando Lakes. Butterfingers. Yeah, it's a guy that was an absolute physical specimen and a speed demon at the combine. And the Chicago Bears were like, hey, that's our guy even though he struggles with catching the football. I'll never understand it. NFL teams drafting guys that are really fast but can't catch to play a position where your hands are your most important attribute as a player. I don't know. I'm crazy. Call me old-fashioned. Call call RP3 uh, a dinosaur in his way of thinking. I like getting wide receivers that can catch the ball. (laughs) What? Watch out now. That's our poll question of the day. Go vote on it. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, we'll update it throughout today's show. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to talk more Saints training camp. We're going to share what they had to say 
with you. That's going to be coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, do you love having the fellas over for game days? Hmm? Sit around in the man cave and the recliners and the couches. Maybe you got the foosball table going. Maybe you got the big flat screen on the wall. Watching your favorite college team, LSU, UL, McNeese. Or maybe you like doing that on Sundays. Watching the Houdats, watching the Saints. But let's be honest. I was in my man cave last night. Yeah, my man cave needs a little TLC. I'm sure yours does as well. Then you need to reach out to my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. Look, you already know they do show-stopping work for kitchens and bathrooms. But they can take that man cave of yours, they can take that outdoor living space, and make it the envy of the neighborhood. It's what they do. Go check out their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Visit their website. Inventory is updated every single Wednesday. You're going to see all the great products and services they have to offer. It's all right there for you. Or you know what? Just go to their showroom. Take a little time on your lunch break one day. Go check them out. They're located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot. But they can take your area and make it the envy of the neighborhood. They can make your place be the place where your brother-in-laws, your nephews, your friends, your cousins that you haven't heard from in a couple years, they're going to see what Lafayette Marble and Granite did for you when you post pictures on Facebook. They're going to hit you up and be like, hey, man, we're going to watch the game at your place this week? That's what they're going to do. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com, or visit their showroom, once again, located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to go vote on our poll question of the day. You had the four wide receivers that weren't very good last year that were starting for the Saints. Who's in danger of being cut? Is it Traquan Smith? Is it Marquez Callaway? Is it Deontay, formerly Harris, now Harty? Or is it Kevin, I don't catch touchdowns white? Keep those votes coming. Salty Steve has chimed in with what I like to call a vintage Salty Steve direct message. These are the best ones from him. He says, everyone's worried about the receivers. Who's going to get them the ball? The Red Rifle? Injured Jameis Winston? Hard to be optimistic when the best QB option couldn't start for any playoff contending teams. Name another team without a franchise quarterback who is a serious Super Bowl threat. Vegas agrees with me, and most odds makers place them at nine or eight wins. Not pinning my hopes on this group making a playoff run after watching how they ended their season last year 
and having many of the same questions starting this season. Oh, I forgot, what if AK-41 is out for an extended period of time? This is a medicine season. My rebuttal to you, Steve, is this. This team had a winning record last year, and they had Taysom Hill, Ian Book, Trevor Simeon, and Jameis Winston before he got injured all playing quarterback. And they did so without Michael Thomas lining up at wide receiver. The roster right now is exponentially better than it was last year when this team nearly made the playoffs. At worst, this team is probably going to be at least a win or two wins more this season than they were last year, which makes them a playoff team. Super Bowl team? Probably not. But this is definitely a playoff team. That's all I'm going to say. Last year, they nearly made the playoffs with Trevor Simeon and Ian Book throwing passes to guys like Kevin White. And no Michael Thomas. And two bouts of COVID issues. And they still nearly made the playoffs. Just saying. Do they have a quarterback that can win them a Super Bowl? Probably not. Probably not. But they're definitely good enough to be a playoff team. They have enough talent and they got their roster. Their roster is better. Healthy Michael Thomas. Add Chris Olave. Add Jarvis Landry. Add Marcus May. Add Honey Badger. Just saying. The roster's better. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on. Woo, it's been a minute since I heard from him. Halftime. Halftime. Good morning to you, brother. I know it's early for you, my man. What's going on? Oh, that's much, man. Sorry. I, I've been listening. I just haven't been able to give a call. My question is, I got two questions. Number one, listen to what you're saying about the receivers. A lot of that, I'm wondering, a lot of that, how, how much does that have to do with Sean Payton liking some of those receivers from last year? And, you know, what's going to be the difference? Who's going to be the one that, you know, that was Sean Payton's pick, but all of a sudden Sean Payton's not there and they might get cut. And number two, it's been all over Twitter. My wife, you know the story. She's a big Saints fan. What's going on with with uh, CG, whatever his name is, the corner? What's going on with him? He's been cutting up on Twitter, cussing and fussing. I did see the play where uh, the rookie person and he's saying stuff about disrespect, all kind of stuff. So you want to know what's the what's the uh, deal with him? If you heard if you heard anything about it, that's all I got. You guys have a good morning, and I'll continue to listen and I'll make a call this year. I'm gonna make calls. <laughs> more this month. You better, about, you better have time. You better. Thanks for the phone call, brother. Enjoy right. your day, bud. Peyton did have his pets when it came to wide receivers, right? Last year it was Callaway. The year before it was little Jordan Humphrey. It's always one guy. Taysom Hill was a pet. He'd always pick a guy, usually an undrafted guy, to be his pet and all the Saints beat reporters would all write stories about him, and television people would do stand-up interviews about him, and you know, then the guy didn't make the roster or wasn't a factor, right? Every year, Callaway is the guy to kind of look at. I'm just—they love Traquan Smith. I don't love him, and I don't think he's really contributed all that much. But they love him because he can run block. 
So he brings something to the team, right? He brings something to the offense that they like to have. They can utilize his skill set. So I think Traquan's safe because he's a really good run blocker. Deontay isn't going anywhere. The guy is the speedster. He's the fastest guy in the wide receiving core, and he can take the top off the, the defense. So he's safe. Kevin White, I think, is getting cut no matter what. Callaway's going to be the interesting one to me. They may try to stash him back onto the practice squad if they can because those undrafted rookies like Dixon out of Nichols and others, they're pushing, man. They're pushing. And, you know, Callaway could find himself without a job. And here's the other thing. We've heard from training camp for the what? They've done 13, 14 practices. We haven't heard a peep about Callaway. Not a sound. Not a sound. Not good or bad. Sometimes if you're just kind of in the middle, that's worse. That's worse. And these guys will have an opportunity during their preseason games to try to prove that they belong, but we'll see. Speaking of the Saints, the Red Rifle. That's right. Andy Dalton, former TCU great quarterback. He was a great quarterback in college. Had a great run with the Cincinnati Bengals. Got to the playoffs a couple times. Now has become a journeyman backup. Bears, Cowboys, and now Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, is the backup to Jameis Winston. Well, Jameis is a little hobbled with the foot, so he's missing some time, which means the Red Rifle's getting some reps. And I like this move for the Saints, because here's the thing. And back to Salty Steve's point. Are either one of those guys Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks? Probably not. But you could use Andy Dalton in a pinch to start you a couple games to keep you afloat, right? Is Andy Dalton going to win you a game, you know, with his ability? No. Is he going to lose you a game? Probably not. Once again, he's kind of in the middle, right? He's a serviceable guy. And last year, they did not have a serviceable backup quarterback. Sorry, Taysom Hill cult. That's what many of the fans are. It's like a cult. Wasn't Taysom. Wasn't Trevor Simeon. Surely wasn't Ian Book. None of those guys were ready. Maybe Ian Book will be ready in a couple years. He was not ready last year. Andy Dalton is a serviceable backup. It was a smart move, and it barely cost the Saints anything financially. The Red Rifle's getting some reps, some first-team reps. And he talked about yesterday just how good it feels to be out there in this offense led by Pete Carmichael. I feel really good about where I'm at, just having the offseason and just throughout training camp and kind of getting back in and getting through the installs and everything. I feel really confident with everything that we're doing and feel uh, feel like I'm in a really good place. He feels comfortable in the offense. That's a great sign. His head coach also explained, first-year man in charge, Dennis Allen, what was the decision? Why did they decide to bring in Andy Dalton? One of the big reasons why we brought Andy here is, uh, you know, we wanted to bring a guy in that we felt like was an accomplished veteran player that's been a starter in our league, but also 
been the backup in this league and had to come in in a backup's role and have success. And so he was a guy that we identified, and luckily we were able to get him here. And I think he's been great for you know the quarterback room. He comes out here and competes every day. He had a really nice day today, and so I think he's been a good addition. They needed someone that they could count on to hold things down. This team's going to be led by its defense. Just is. Especially early on. It's going to be led by the D. Cam Jordan, Honey Badger, P.J. Williams, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and others. And I'll get to halftime's question about Chauncey here in a second. But Andy is a reliable backup. Is he great? No. Is he an all-pro? No. Is he going to win you a Super Bowl? Probably not. But he's going to keep you afloat and you're not going to drop a couple games that you should have won. If they had if they had Andy Dalton on the roster last year, they would have made the playoffs. None of those guys, Simeon, Book, or Taysom Hill, are as good as Andy Dalton. If they had Andy Dalton as the backup quarterback last year, they would have made the playoffs. Because he would have won them a couple more games. Sometimes that's what it comes down to. Andy may be new to the Saints... But it hasn't taken him long to figure out what makes a healthy Michael Thomas so special. Yeah, I think one you can you can read when he's gonna get in and out of breaks. And he's gotta put it around him. He's so physical with everything that he does. And so when the ball's in the air, he just finds ways to go up and and just make the play. So yeah, I think that's the best thing. And you can feel him getting more comfortable as the, the weeks have gone on. And so it's uh yeah, he's He's really, really good. He's really, really good. Yeah, that's a bit of an understatement. And the rifle's also been working with, of course, new tight end, Taysom Hill. And this is what he had to say about the former Joker slash quarterback slash Sean Payton Pitt. He's been able to do so much in his career. And I think Taysom even said this. I think his understanding of the quarterback position and Having that foundation and experience of playing quarterback position is just going to help him in the transition to to his role. And he's already been doing some of the stuff, but for a guy to completely change positions and to have the ability to do that, I mean, he's, it's it takes a, a special person with a special talent, and you know, Taysom has that. So there you go. Red Rifle getting reps, developing a rapport. That's a good thing. That's the silver lining here with Jameis being out with the foot. Andy Dalton's getting more reps with the first team, so if he is called upon this year, he'll be ready to come in and keep the team afloat, and that's why they brought him in. we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll, up, we'll update the poll question. We'll wrap up our number one. That's all next, and I'll answer Halftime's question about Chauncey Garner-Johnson. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. Which Saints starting wide receiver from 2021 will be cut? 76% of you say Kevin White, 12% say Deontay Harty. Y'all realize that's Deontay Harris, right? Just saying. 8% say Traquan Smith and 4% say Marquez Callaway. 
Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and the Twitters. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. As for halftime's question about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Look, he's a trash talker. That's how he plays. He plays with a big chip on his shoulder. He is, at times, volatile, his personality. And I've always said, he's the type of guy you love having on your team, but you hate facing, right? Well, those guys sometimes rub their own teammates the wrong way. I love the fact, if I'm a Saints fan, I love the fact that Chris Olave beat him on a one-on-one drill for a touchdown in practice yesterday and then threw the ball down in the end zone at him. And was like, oh, you want to talk trash? I just scored on you. Like, you love that. You love that kind of fierce competition going on. That's what you want to see. So Chauncey saying stupid things on social media or saying, you know, complaining on social media is nothing new. He's a little erratic. He's a little bit of a diva, but he's a great impact player. And as long as the Saints can keep him in check, there's no cause for concern there. If they keep him in check. That's the big if. That's going to do it for hour number one, hour number two coming up. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch Third. I'm joined inside the studios by fellow John Conley enthusiasts, Miss Hannah Five Names. Shout out to Salty Steve. I mean, look, if I can get John Conley onto the show, I'm going to do so. We talk a lot here on this show. Majority of our number one was... New Orleans Saints discussion, training camp. Our poll question is about the Saints. And we touched on a little bit about the Houston Astros because, you know, we're an Astros affiliate and they played last night. We'll touch on that again as the show progresses. But you know what? We'd love to hear from you. You want to get your phone calls in? You want to talk Houston Astros baseball with us? We'd love to hear from you. You want to talk New Orleans Saints football with us? Love to hear from you. Want to talk whatever soccer stuff was going on last night on television? I was confused. I can't help you there, but maybe five names can. We'd love to hear from you. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We got time. We'd love to hear from you. Game changer of the week phone call? Possibly. Has it already happened this week? Maybe. Maybe. Could it show back up? 
Could someone else come in today with a quality phone call? Could happen. You got about a half an hour to get that in because Jim Gazzolo, the great one from the Lake Charles American Press, will be joining us in a half an hour to give us the latest updates on McNeese Cowboys fall camp. First year under new head football coach Gary Goff. That'll be coming up at 7.30. Then at 8.02, Les East will be joining us to talk New Orleans Saints training camp. And then we're going to talk NASCAR at 8.32. So if you want to get those phone calls in, call the hotline, dazzle the lady behind the glass, the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. Just make sure you're nice to her. Because, look, if you call up, fellas, and you decide to get a little sideways with the producer extraordinaire, boom, you're not getting on there. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. Oh, let's head out to the hotline. It's been a min- minute since I heard from this Mr. A Gentleman, uh, a man of leisure, a man who's trying to put Erath on the map, who's trying to push aside Elijah Mitchell and say, I'm going to be the most well-known person from Erath, Louisiana. Martin is on the hotline. Martin, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just great. But uh, speaking of the girl behind the glass, did I see that right, that her Seattle Mariner Uh-oh. beat the almighty great? New York Yankees. I didn't hear from Paul this morning. Uh, oh, now that I think about it, I mean, I, I I called it. I've been calling it since the season started. I said, don't get too much on, on the Yankees bandwagon because they collapsed the second half of the season. And what happened? They're collapsing slowly but surely, sinking like the Titanic. <laughs> Martin, <laughs> Martin, I, I got I got to ask you something though, bud. The Yankees are struggling in the second half. We, we we just going to ignore what's happening with your, your Red Sox? Oh, I already know. That's the clown show. I mean, <laughs> we led by the biggest. We were led by Bozo the Clown, uh, Cora. I mean, come on now. I didn't expect much coming out of this. I always expected at least a wild card bird, but we can't even do that. We can't even beat the Blue Jays uh, this year. We can't beat the, the Tampa Bay Rays. We, I mean, but we, I know a team that we can beat, and that's the New York Yankees. And as long as we beat the Yankees, I'm good with that. We and 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 by the way, if I know Paul's listening, the Red Sox are a last place team, and they still can, and the Yankees cannot beat us. <laughs> but that's all I really had to say. Uh, Thank you, my Martin. Cowboys are gonna be my Cowboys are going to be starting the season pretty soon, and I'm going to go ahead and say, like I always did, there's always next season, and Sean Payton's going to be our next head coach. Have a good one, buddy. Thank you, Martin. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the classic That's the classic move what Martin just did. He knows his team is trash right now. He knows it. He's now accepted the fact that the Red Sox are more than likely not going to make the playoffs. They're the, the, the worst team in the AL East. And he, he's transitioned. But he's he's still relishing the fact that his team's chief rival, their most bitter rival, is struggling. So he's taking joy in that. See how he's trying to copy Paul's laugh, too? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Yankees... 
all-star break has not been kind. Aaron Judge has been playing out of his mind. The rest of the team, bullpen and some starting pitching, not great. And I've said it before, and I've asked Martin this, and we've talked about it on the air. Do you trust your skipper in a playoff series? And I don't believe Aaron Boone has done anything as the skipper of the Yankees to make you feel confident that he's going to make the right moves, the right decisions in a playoff series. He just hasn't. He just hasn't. With the Yankees losing to those Seattle Mariners, they remain tied for the best record in the American League with the Houston Astros. Verlander gives up the most runs he has in a game since June 18th, but they still had a great chance to win the ball game. He struck out seven, went six innings, only gave up five hits, three runs. And Alvarez got his 31st home run of the season. Tucker got himself a home run. Alex Bregman, former LSU star, showed off the glove work, got himself a couple of hits. But the bullpen let him down. As the Astros in particular, Madden goes and gives up uh, four earned runs. Four in the 10th inning. Presley comes in the ninth. Strikes out the side, and they don't bring him back out for the 10th. But despite wasting a solid performance by Justin Verlander and letting a game get away from him, Astros still remain tied with the Yankees for the best record in the American League, and they'll have the opportunity to take the series against the Texas Rangers. This afternoon, 110 first pitch. And you can listen to that game live right here on the game. So if you love being in your car working and listening to baseball talk or listening to baseball, we got you covered. 110 first pitch today, Astros Rangers live from Minute Maid Ballpark. So you got to make sure to tune into that. Also, want to take a moment here to talk a little NFL. This happened yesterday and want to bring it to everyone's attention. Max Mitchell was a heck of a ball player. Coming out of Neville High School, developed into an all-conference, all-American offensive lineman for the Raging Cajuns. And remember, he was drafted this past year by the New York Jets. Well, you know what's awesome about that? Not only was he drafted by the New York Jets, you thought, okay, that continues the pipeline of offensive linemen from the Raging Cajuns with Hunt and Dotson and others making it to the NFL. But Mitchell may need some grooming, right? He may need some time to develop, if you will, to get a chance to be a starter. Well, that may have arrived earlier than expected. Jets head coach Robert Sala said yesterday that the right tackle job is wide open. Rookie Max Mitchell is very much in the mix. Jets believed he was developmental, but he's actually further along than they expected, Sala says, which is a good sign. 
the former Raging Cajun star, a great lineman, has a golden opportunity in front of him to be the starting right tackle for an NFL franchise as a rookie. Now, you could sit there and have a discussion about, well, he's only going to get a chance because the Jets are, you know, a mess. That's fine. I think it's too early in the process to figure out if Salah has things where he needs to go. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and give him time to prove that, whether he's a good coach or a bad coach. But it's still an opportunity for a Louisiana kid from Neville High School, who came to the Raging Cajuns, developed into an All-American great offensive lineman, and now he's going to have the opportunity, despite not being a first-round draft pick or even a second-round draft pick, he's going to have the opportunity to be a starter in the NFL as a rookie. That's huge, man. That's huge. Absolutely huge. So that's the reporting coming out from Connor Hughes. NFL reporter covering the Jets in the Giants. That rookie Max Mitchell is very much in the mix to be the starting right tackle. So good luck to Max, and hopefully he'll seize this opportunity and begin his career as a starter in the National Football League. Whew. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being a starter and being a starter in New York? Watch out now. Just say it. Poll question of the day. Which starting wide receiver from a year ago for the Saints? And look, we know they weren't very good. So let, let's just let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. We know they weren't very good. But they had four of them out there trying their best to not catch passes. Which one of those starters from last year will be cut. Saints usually only keep six wide receivers on the 53-man roster. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry are going to take three of those spots. I say Deontay Harty, formerly Deontay Harris, the all-pro return man, is going to be your fourth. So then it comes down really to Traquan Smith who they re-sign and they love him because he can run block. Kevin, I don't catch touchdown passes white. And that's what I think it's going to come down to between those two guys. Oh, and Marquez Callaway, who was the number one wide receiver a year ago. I think they like all three. I think Kevin White's the most likely culprit to be cut, but I wouldn't be surprised if they cut two and maybe put Callaway on the practice team if they can. Would not be surprised whatsoever. Right now, 82% of you agree with yours truly. You say Kevin White is most likely to be cut. 9% still say Deontay Harty, which confuses me. 6% of you say Traquan Smith. 3% say Callaway. Darren. Number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and Company has chimed in. Kevin White will be a good trivia question for someone somewhere one day, but not on the Saints 2022 roster. 
Ralph Bergeron says, the thing about Kevin White, though, he brings his lunch pail to work every day, and he shared a gif of Kevin from the office spilling his chili everywhere, which I just love. Darren says, like Foot says, catch the ball, cat. It's a can of corn. <laughs> oh, footsie. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a timeout, but when we return, you know what? We talked about Max Mitchell trying to win the starting job in the NFL. Well, what about the guys this season playing for Coach Dez? Well, we'll share some of their press conference yesterday with you this morning. That's coming up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Uh, Here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, even minor landscaping around the house, listen up. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out there and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple. It's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service. And to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles reminds you, call 811 and know what's below before you dig. And you know what? Today is also National 811 Day. So you got to make sure to pay attention. Okay? Don't get silly. Don't think you know everything. Just because, hey, even if 811 came out before and marked location of buried lines a couple years ago, you still got to call. Just do the right thing. Call, wait a couple days. It's better to be safe than sorry. Remember that. It's National 811 Day. Let's talk a little Raging Cajuns football here on RP3 and Company. Coach Dez talked to us yesterday. They had practice. They're gearing up. It's fall camp. His first season at the helm of the Vermilion and White. And we talk a lot about the offensive line, right? Max Mitchell, who we mentioned earlier, he's gone. He's trying to win the right tackle starting job for the New York Jets. They had another uh, gentleman decide to enter uh, the transfer portal and leave, and they had a couple guys graduate. So offensive line is curious. But they do have some guys that have starting experience in the mix. They do have some guys that are going to anchor that offensive line. And one of them, of course, is Carlos Rubio. And Coach Dez talked about what he is bringing to the table for that group. He looks great. He's 
he, he's one of, you know, he's probably the leader on the O-line right now. You know, he's got a lot of experience. He's comfortable being vocal with that group, and he's done a really good job with them. But he, he looks great right now. He's done a phenomenal job. You know, the athleticism and stuff, you could never tell that he came off of an injury. Um, but, you know, we, we took it slow this spring, and we got him. I think the good thing is we got him where he was full go at the beginning of summer so he, could condi he can condition and get back into shape and be ready to play. Um, but yeah, no, he's, Carlos has done a, a phenomenal job for us. Um, you know, really excited about having him back for sure as a guy that was a starter last year and back in the mix. Look, they have some talent. Rubio, Jax Harrington, the former Erath high star. He's really good. He's coming off an injury. He's going to be healthy. They got some talent there. Yeah, another big question mark is running back. We know Chris Smith. All-conference, all-American return guy is going to be the number one running back. But who's going to be the number two, number three? Those guys that were the number two, number three running backs last year, well, they entered the transfer portal. They're playing at TCU in Florida. Or they're going to try to play at TCU in Florida. And that'll be a discussion for another day. But they got a lot of guys. Former Karen Crow High star. Former Manny High School star. They got guys back there. That can carry the rock, and Des talked about the competition at the running back position during camp. Yeah, you know, I, I do. I think it is important, you know, when and we, we practice tough, you know, we thud and we do all those things, but, you know, when you're going all the way to the ground, a lot of fumbles happen not on contact, but as they're going to the ground, you get loose with the ball and things like that. So, you know, obviously at running back, most important things take care of it. That group has been really good. You know, Chris Smith um, looks great coming back from the spring where he was limited. You know, I think Kabote has been really, really good this spring. Um, I think Terrence Williams has been really consistent and, and really solid. I think Dre started slow the first couple of days and has started to come on, which is great. Zylan Perry is going to be a really good player. He's behind some older guys that have played that are good and obviously switching positions. It's going to take him a little while, but... You know, you see him do the things that you really want to see. He's made the transition to running back. He's really done a good job with that. You know, and then, you know, Orphy has been banged up a little bit the last couple of days, so he's been pretty limited. Nothing significant, but he's been limited a little bit. You know, and then Chaz Ward is, is a newcomer on the team that he transferred in. He's done a, he's done a pretty solid job, but Cabote and Terrence have been really good so far, um, and Dre has come on. You know, yesterday I thought was probably his best day, which is good. You know, you want him to start peaking now. If I had to, if I had to guess... <clears throat> based on what we saw in the spring, based on what we're hearing in camp and seeing, I, I think it's going to be Terrence Williams is going to be the number two. And he, now he played running back and linebacker for Manny High, helped them win a state championship. He's really good. And Kabote, they keep talking a lot about. So if I had to put money on it right now, I'd say those are going to be your two guys that are in backup, Chris Smith. But... I think you're going to see a lot of different guys play. Remember, Dez, as an assistant coach with the Raging Cajuns, he's coached tight ends. He's also coached running backs. Yeah, he played quarterback in high school and in college for the Cajuns. He understands the quarterback position, but he also knows running backs. So I think they're going to be just fine at the running back spot. Now, they're gearing up, obviously, for a scrimmage on Saturday. Their first one of fall camp. And this is what Des had to say about what's going to be coming up Saturday. 
uh, we'll tweak it a little bit. You know, I think sometimes some of those scrimmages would kind of get maybe a little bit long. So we're going to kind of some of the stuff that we that we've done in the first scrimmage, we're going to push to the second one. Um, some of the, you know, some of the field zones that we work that are not as prominent don't show up as much. But I mean, it'll, it'll be very similar. You know, I think you got to especially the first one. I think you got to strap it up and you got to go for a while and you got to let some of these guys go. Got to let them get tired, push when they're tired and you got to get enough snaps to get competitive reps and get scrimmage reps on tape as well so you know it'll be the first one will be longer than the second one you know we're gonna do some things you know a little bit differently situation wise i missed the first scrimmage i was on vacation my apologies i said the first scrimmage i missed it because i was on vacation i think look we sometimes we take too much from a scrimmage when we watch it as fans or as media people it's a scrimmage what it does, though, it, it helps to it helps to replicate in-game scenarios. That's the best thing scrimmage does. It, you get some in-game scenarios that you can go through, and it shows you what works and what doesn't, even more so than at a practice. So they're gearing up for scrimmage on Saturday. And look, this is Coach Dez's first year at the helm of the program. You know, what about the effort? Sometimes guys will kind of be a little lackadaisical. Sometimes they'll be like, ah, I'm not into it. I'm going to wait till I ramp up a little bit closer to the season. Maybe I'm going to save myself for the season. We do live in the era of the NCAA transfer portal. What about the effort? How's the effort been for the Raging Cajuns? Well, the expectations are pretty high, you know. So, I mean, it's good. It's really good. You know, we've got a group. They, they know how to work. They understand what it takes. You know, they're, they're really, they're hungry to prove themselves and for this 20, 2022 season to go out and make it our own. So it's, um, it, it's like I said, I expected them to come out and do it that way, but it, it's, it's really good. I'm excited about it. And as coaches, you appreciate as a coach when you get that type of effort every day and you just get to coach ball and you're not, you're not coaching effort and things like that. If I'm a Raging Cajun fan, I love hearing that. The effort is there from the transition from Napier to Dez. And I, I go back to this because I know a lot of people get upset. We're upset that Dez got the job. The players love him. If you have the locker room and the locker room will fight for you and they will give you 110%, that's half the job right there. That's half the job right there. Are the Cajuns going to win as many games as they did last year? No. They lost a ton of talent. Are they still going to be a very good team? Are they still going to win the West? Are they still going to go to a bowl game? Yep, yep, yep. You want to know more about the Raging Cajuns? How about more about Trey Amos, former Catholic High of New Iberia star who went from playing quarterback, running back for Brent Endes back in the day down in New Iberia to then trans transferring himself, transitioning himself rather, into a starting cornerback for the Raging Cajuns defense. We got a story about that for free. Go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to check out an article by our good friend, Matt Miguez, host of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. He wrote a story about Trey Amos that's available at the website. Go check that out right now. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to keep it with college football. Jim Gazzolo, the great one from the Lake Charles American Press, will join us. Talking all things Cowboys. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. 
Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist. The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat. Okay, well, we all have our bad days. I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch. Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. It's time for us to keep the college football discussion moving right along as we welcome on our first guest of today's show. You know him as a guest host extraordinaire. You know him for his work covering the Minis Cowboys like no one's ever done before him or will do after him. And a man who loves and supports Tony LaRusso's decisions in games more than anyone else. It's our good friend Jim Gazzolo joins us now. Jim, good morning, bud. How you doing? Does LaRusa make decisions during games? <laughs> yeah, he's he's been a little sleepy at the wheel this season. Um I uh, a little. <laughs> more 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 than a little, my friend. All right, so you know, we talked about in the spring who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to lead Gary Goff's variation of the air raid offense. Got some transfers that came in, got some other guys, took a quarterback, moved him to DB. Lots of pieces shuffling, but it sure does look like it's Walker Woods' job to lose. Where do we stand on who's going to be the signal caller for the Cowboys? Well, I wouldn't say it's his to lose. I think it's his by default right now. Um, I. Walker Wood is the only guy playing. <laughs> he went from a very crowded room to a very uh, empty room. No, they, they have they have some injuries that flared up. The weird injury with the Knicks, uh, Knox Gatum on the airplane in his thumb. Uh, he is now throwing again, um, but not in not in game drills, just in drills and, in pra- and light throwing. Obviously, Ken Ransom is the guy they wanted to have the job, I think, and his back flared up. No. How bad it is, he's still being evaluated this week. Uh, I think you'll see a very vanilla first scrimmage on uh, Saturday. But we have seen that they've worked hard on the running game, and the running game looks good. It does look good, and I'm a little surprised. And you can read about it tomorrow, actually. Oh, in the Lake Charles American Press? <laughs> I believe so, yes. Oh, and outstanding. I'll say, let, let, let's talk about the running game. How much is that? the talent that is in the backfield, and how much that has to do with the revamped offensive line? Uh, I think it's a a lot of both. I think it's the fact that they have four backs now, four completely different backs. You have have Josh Parker, who came back from last year, Deontay McMahon, who had a good year last year. Um, I think the fact that uh, McElroy from um, Colorado State is a big – he lost 15 pounds, and he looks a lot quicker. And he promised me he still has the power yesterday. So, uh, And then there's D'Angelo uh, Durham from Savannah State who catch the football block, kind of a Swiss Army knife out of the backfield. I think they just have a lot more – look, they have a lot more weapons than they had before. But it's also an offensive line that can practice. 
Remember, they couldn't practice last year because they only had six healthy offensive linemen for half the year. That's right. So uh, there's the amount of talent on the team now compared to where it was. I mean, Mason Pierce isn't even the fastest guy on the team. He might be third. So the, the talent level is completely different, and the size level is different. It just looks like a football team when it gets off the bus. It has the look of a football team, how it's organized, how it's structured, and just the fact that, yeah. that, that, that they have the numbers now, right? They, they And you can tell Gary Goff's already putting his his imprint, so to speak, on the program with, with the way he's structuring things, and, and, and it's noticeable there. Uh, despite the structuring and how they're organized and how they look, what about the offense? Is it uh, definitely – can you definitely tell – that you have an offensive-minded coach, a guy that comes from the Mike Leach, uh, Hal Mummy uh, coaching tree. You can tell. Look, we've always said it. I've always said this this year. Where last year we had a lot of movement but no direction, everything is moving towards one direction here. They want to throw the football. They're trying as desperately as they can to throw the ball deep. Hasn't connected a lot yet because there's the number three quarterback is quarterbacking. But, but – they want to push the football. They want to be aggressive. They want to be in attack mode. And you see that in a lot of what he does and what he's calling. Everything is going vertical. Whereas we saw a lot of horizontal stuff last year. This is all vertical. And, and, all- and really what he did yesterday with Victory Day, did more PR in one day for a program that, remember, is just 11 months removed from three guys getting arrested and one getting shot. <laughs> so that, that was an image cleanup on aisle five that needed to be done. Yeah, n- not not great under former uh, uh, leadership <laughs> there, in, there at McNeese. We're talking with Jim Gazzolo, the great one. Uh, he covers the McNeese Cowboys for the Lake Charles American Press. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, but I want to go back to the quarterbacks because hey, look you just gotta live with that don't you, you just got no no <laughs> the the qbs though it, it does feel yeah. like after the spring and look he he was limited in what he wanted to do no offense to walker wood and, and the other guys but there's a reason why they went out and got themselves can ransom uh formerly of georgia southern to come and play there yeah. because they believe he's the guy that can actually run in, in their offense so you say he tweaked his back. If he can get yeah. healthy, is he the guy? I think he. I think you don't. You don't go out and get him. If you loved what you saw in the spring, you don't go out and get him. That's true. So yeah, he's the guy. Um, Gary Goff won't tell you that, uh, but he'll smile when I say you didn't go out and get him to sit. Uh, <laughs> what I do think is what we saw of him in very limited was a guy that could throw the football deep and could run the ball. The whole question with this offense is, can you read the defense and make the decision on the fly? Because it is a read option uh, offense as far as if there's eight men in the box, where is the defense playing you? Where do you go to? What are your checkoffs? Goff has said right off the bat, I want a guy that is an extension of me who I can trust to give maybe three or four options off of one play and make sure he gets us in the right place based on where the defense is. So there's a lot of – you need to be 
He wants an alpha male in the room, as he puts it, to run this team. So they're going to battle it out at quarterback the rest of the way. If Cam's healthy, it's likely his job. They got a ton of talent mm-hmm. at the running back position. They've revamped the offensive line. What about wide receiver? You already mentioned Mason Pierce. He's speedy. He's a great return guy. Matthews showed some promise as well, right? He's sticking around. He decided to come back for another season instead of entering the transfer portal. What about the wide receiving core? Is there enough pass catchers to run this offense? The interesting thing about Matthews is he actually entered the transfer portal and came back. That's right. Uh, Whether that was because no one wanted him or because he actually liked what Goff had to say is kind of debatable. Um, Duru, the kid from San Diego State, can flat fly. Has he dropped a couple balls in practice? Yes. But could he fly? Yeah. He is the fastest guy on the team, I think, which opens up Mason Pierce underneath, which is where we saw him make his plays anyways. A lot of that was because Cody couldn't throw as deep or didn't have time to throw deep. But Mason Pierce can make big plays. Duke could take the top off the defense. Matthews looks better this year. Looks like he's in a little better shape. Looks like he's running his patterns better across the middle. Then you throw in a couple other guys, including Jalen Johnson, who looks really good in camp. Um, and, and all of a sudden, they've got five or six weapons on the outside. Now you throw in the Harvard transfer, Clink, um, and, and I, I forget his name from Monroe. you got to transfer tight end from Monroe. And you've got more, way more weapons than we've had. Um, but all this is going to hinge on can the offensive line stay healthy and stay together. What's the big question mark for the defense? Secondary. And it's not so much – I don't want to say it's so much talent because it's all portal talent. It's all Division One FBS talent. Um, but how do they play together? They've all played. They've played a lot of football. But how does the group blend together because they're all coming from different systems? I think with, with – uh, the guy from Houston coming, Braden Adams, uh, a kid from Barb, had, had probably the best spring on the defense. Uh, he'll play a solid linebacker. I think their linebackers are pretty good, not as deep as they would like, uh, but it's four deep. It's not six deep like it was in the spring. It was very good. Or in the fall last year, the linebackers were really good. But Stewart's back. He led the conference in tackles. He looks good. Defensive line looks deeper than before. Doesn't have the Isaiah Chambers, uh, but Mason Kinsley had a good year last year. Kinsley says he's ready to go and take over the reins as a leader. That we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But that I think that group's okay. It's the secondary and how they play together. I think the talent's there, but is, is it? You know, it's just is it mesh? Is it going to mesh? What about special and we teams? Have a uh, no, that, that's what have a kicker. that that's what I was going to lead to next is uh, kicker was something that old Frank couldn't figure out and couldn't <laughs> couldn't find. I mean, he, he he couldn't even find someone that remotely could handle kicking duties. It's been an issue there. Do they actually have someone that they have confidence in to make extra points and thirty yard field goals? They have two actually. Uh... But Garrison Smith is on scholarship, and he. the funny thing is, the first feature out of the gate of camp was the kicker I did because that's what everybody's talking about. 
Uh, this is a guy that lines up it for 55 yards, bangs it right through the uprights. Uh, he came from Ohio State. He was a, he was a preferred walk-on at Ohio State. Um, thought he would get the job in a scholarship. Uh, when the kicker from last year came back to Ohio State instead of entering the NFL, he then wanted to kick. And he didn't want to pay, as he put it, another $30,000 in student loans. So he took the McNeese uh, scholarship offer. You don't often get a scholarship. And like I said, you don't often give a scholarship to a kicker at the FCS level. So there's a lot counting on him. He's very confident. He can hit from 60, he says. Um, I've seen him from 35. He's right down the middle, which is all my niece needs. From 45 and 55, he's pretty good. So is he a weapon? Yeah, he's a weapon they didn't have last year. Because I like to say, if you're in scoring range at the 30-yard line for McNeese, that's really good. Last year, we were in scoring range at McNeese on extra points. That's how bad it was. Oh, you saw I, oh, it. oh I remember. <laughs> I was there. Remember, and- if you remember that they did a giveaway or they had a contest where a, a woman out of the stands would come and kick an extra point. And she was three of seven. That, that person or those people were three of seven at one point. And that was ahead of pace of what the actual kickers were doing at extra points at one time. Yeah, it so. was it was it was it was it was a struggle. It was a struggle in, in the spring That's and in, in spring and the fall. Brother, appreciate your time. Enjoy covering the scrimmage on Saturday and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Oh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a delightful 105 on the field. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. <laughs> All right. A delightful 105, my man. So, yeah, Jim, you know, Jim's been covering sports for a long time. Uh, he's paid his dues. He's not thrilled about having to be on a field that's 105 degrees. He just doesn't. He'd much rather not have to do that. But you know what? He's a gamer. He's a trooper. That's what he does. We got to take a timeout. Wrap up hour number two. Update the poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Red Hot Astros are going to take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Go register in the game clubhouse to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right. O's, Stroh's at the Big Juice Box. You get a tour of it and hotel accommodations. But you can only score our Astros Weekend Getaway by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Love Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's check in on the old poll question of the day. We asked you about the Saints wide receiving core. You know, Michael Thomas, healthy, number one. Chris Olave, burning Chauncey Garner-Johnson in practice. First round draft pick, he's going to be your number two. Number three is going to be Mr. Louisiana himself, Jarvis Landry. Juice. So what does that do to the guys that were the top four wide receivers a year ago? Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway. Deontay Harris, now Harty, 
and Kevin, I don't catch touchdowns white. Well, that means some of them are going to be on the roster. It's going to be favorable matchups because those guys are now going to have more experience, and when they line up to be the number four, number five, number six option, that's going to be great matchups for the Saints. But Deontay Harty is going to be the number four. He can take the top off of a defense. He's an all-pro return guy. They're not getting rid of him. And they really like Traquan Smith's ability to be able to block. I don't know why, because he doesn't do much of anything else, but they love him. So what is that going to do? Who is more likely going to get to be cut? Updated results. 79% of you say Kevin White. 13% say Deontay Hardy. I don't understand that. I'm confused. Y'all are confusing me this morning. 5% say Traquan Smith and 3% say Marquez Callaway. It's not easy to confuse me. It's not hard, rather, to confuse me. It's fairly easy. But I don't understand how the all-pro return specialist and deep threat is going to get cut. David Dugas says, well, you didn't make this poll very difficult. <laughs> no, no, I really didn't. I actually had to double check that Kevin White was still on the roster, which he is, which is crazy. Hour number two in the books, we'll talk more about the Saints wide receiving depth, talk about how Red Rifle has looked, filling in for Jameis Winston and so much more with Les East, who's going to help us kick off hour number three here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parch Third, Of course, I'm joined inside the studios by the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. Miss Hannah Five Names, if you will. Put some respect on that. We've had a fun show so far today. We talked Houston Astros losing to the Tejas Rangers, giving up five runs in the 10th inning. That is never optimal, by the way. Verlander. Pitched well enough for them to win. Alvarez gets his 31st home run of the season, but it's not enough as the bullpen kind of, you know, well, wetted themselves. And that was it. Ball game done. Rubber match will be this afternoon at Minute Maid Ballpark. 110 first pitch. You can listen to it live right here on the game as the Strohs try to take the series from the Rangers. Now, mind you, they haven't won a series since they beat Seattle last week. Remember, they lost the series to the Boston Red Sox, and they split the series with the Cleveland Guardians. So, haven't won a series in a bit. We also talked a lot of college football, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, McNeese Cowboys so far today, and we've touched on the New Orleans Saints as well. 
and we're going to do so more right now with our next guest. He's the award-winning columnist, reporter for ChristensCitySports.com. It's our good friend Les East joins us now. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing outstanding, my friend. Outstanding. So, look, our poll question of the day is about the wide receiving core. And last year, they tried it out. Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, now Hardy, and Kevin, I don't catch touchdowns white. That was, and little Jordan Humphrey. Can't forget about old little Jordan. Another great camp story that turned out to not be a very good player. Well, now they got healthy Michael Thomas. They got number one draft pick Chris Olave, and they got Jarvis Landry, Mr. Louisiana, all going to be their starting three wide receivers. Of the four guys that started last year, who's in the most danger of being cut and not making the 53-man roster? Well, I guess that would be Kevin White. Um, Marquez Callaway, as, as bad as the passing game was last year, actually showed some progress and was the top wide receiver. And I think he's uh, next after the, the three guys um, you mentioned at the top of the depth chart. So uh, I, I think Callaway's going to have a role. Uh, Hardy's going to have a role because of his ability as a return specialist as well as as a deep threat as a wide receiver. So, and I may have said this before on the show, but I, I don't know that there is a position group in the NFL on any team that could be as improved as the Saints wide receiving core with uh, essentially adding three outstanding players when you count Michael Thomas returning and then adding Olave and Landry. And uh, so now you have... You know, the the guys who were competing to be number one last year are now competing to be number four or even a roster spot. But I think if I had to guess, I would say Kevin White's going to be the guy who's going to be the odd man out of from that group. Are they going to carry seven wide receivers then on the roster? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, because of Hardy's value as a return specialist, you could – possibly squeeze an extra person but uh i would think that it's more likely they would carry just six so if that's the case then is it going to be a danger for traquan or callaway not making the the roster because i mean if you got thomas alave jarvis and you say you say Deontay, and I agree with you. I think Deontay's a slam dunk because he's an all pro return guy and he can take the top off of a defense that's four right there you, you, if you're only going to carry six, somebody else is going to have to be left off, right? Well, I would think, you know, Callaway and Traquan brings you to six, and if White's the odd man out, then I think that that's, that's your receiving core, although I, I don't think Traquan Smith is guaranteed a roster spot, but I'm thinking right now he would probably be the sixth guy. Any of the younger guys, in particular Dixon from Nichols, I know he's had a good camp so far. What's your impression of him or any of the other maybe undrafted younger guys? Do they have a shot of making this roster, or are there going to be more practice squad guys, in your opinion? Well, I think Dixon is probably more of a practice squad guy. I think if he had been here last year, he would have had a decent shot at making the the roster because he has had a a pretty good camp. And, uh, in fact, Dennis Allen spoke fairly highly of him the other day when I asked about him. Said that he had, you know, he'd sort of caught 
his eye a couple of times with the way he had performed. But I have a hard time seeing how he's going to grab a roster spot. So I think the practice roster is more likely um, the route through which he would be able to stick around past the cut down. And, uh, you know, after that, I, I don't really see anybody uh, who's in a good position to grab a roster spot because there, there are just too many um, guys on there. Now, that uh, this guy, um, Raheem Shaheen, or Shaheed, I'm not even sure how to pronounce his name, he's been hurt a lot. Um, and has just gotten on the practice field here in the last few days. He's a guy who has a lot of ability as a return specialist as well, and I think he's a guy that they would like to find a way to keep around at some point. Um, but he's had an injury. He's on the field now, but you know, if, if he has a setback, I suppose uh, the, the injured reserve list might be an avenue for him. Who's the early frontrunner less? of being the darling of training camp where everyone writes stories about them and then they end up not making the roster or making a real impact, see Cyril Grayson, see little Jordan Humphrey and others over the last five years? Yeah, I've made a conscious effort to avoid uh, (laughs) looking into anybody in that mindset. I I will say this, if you're looking for somebody – and the guys you're referencing, or the I go back farther. I use the the uh, ultimate example is a guy named Anime Ojo. Yes, who was a, who was a wide receiver, I believe, during the Hazlitt era. He was a big guy and uh, got open, was catching everything. Just looked like he was going to be a guy who was you weren't going to be able to keep off the roster, and uh, they very easily found a way to keep him off the roster. And unfortunately for him, he never developed. So he's kind of the example I always lean on as, you know, seeing guys doing stuff in seven-on-seven drills doesn't translate to NFL regular season games. But if I think if you were to ask, other than Mike Thomas, because I think everybody's been looking to see if he's healthy and he looks like he is healthy, the one guy – who jumps out as having had a very good camp, not that he was in any danger of not making the roster, but that would uh, be Paulson Adebo. And the reason I point him out is that I think his the evaluation of him is based on stuff that you can count on. Okay, he's playing cornerback. He's around the ball. He's covering guys. He's getting his hands on the ball. He's breaking up passes. He's made a couple of interceptions. So, you know, that's stuff that's uh, that's not going to mislead you, okay? If a cornerback is sticking with his man and preventing completions, that's him doing his job. There, there are no other factors that the coaches are going to find on film. That that. That's tried and true. So, you know, I, I'm confident in saying Paulson Adebo is having a very good camp. And he was, you know, he, he, I believe, was the only defensive player to start every game last year. So he was already a fixture. But I think if we're looking at people who have stood out in camp, especially something that's going to prove to be legitimate, I think Paulson Adebo is the guy. Another guy that's kind of stood out during camp would be Chris Olave. I saw the footage yesterday, less of him going one-on-one with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and getting the better of him, and they talked a little trash. Uh, obviously, we know Chauncey loves talking trash, 
Um, what do you make of how well Alave has kind of fit into this locker room and how well he's adjusted to playing in this team's offensive scheme? Yeah, he's done really well. I think uh, what he has done in camp so far is just continue what he had already done in rookie mini camp and the OTAs and the, the full team mini camp. And when you ask any of his teammates about him, you know, there are two things they say. One is virtually everybody uses the adjective smooth, the way he runs his routes, the way he carries himself, his body. Uh, language and everything, they all say it's just very, very smooth. And then the other thing they always say is he arrived here as a professional. He doesn't look like a rookie. The way he conducts his business, the way he pays attention and asks questions in the receiver room, the way he watches film, he just from day one, he looked like a guy who had been in an NFL situation before. So smooth excuse me smooth with his route running and professional and how he uh conducts his business or the two things that are uh, almost automatically spoken by anybody you ask about him talking with les east covers the new orleans saints for christmascitysports.com he joins us here on rp3 and company you know we keep talking about the running back depth because of Alvin Kamara's situation, that hearing's been pushed back. It will likely be pushed back again. I don't even think he's going to miss time this season. But we keep talking about the depth. And the Saints keep kicking the tires on veteran running backs. And they keep coming and going. Tony Jones Jr. seemingly has had a pretty good camp. Has he seized the number three spot on the depth chart at running back? I think it's too early to say that. We'll find out more when we see these preseason games. You know, he had a good preseason last year, and uh, so he has a, a sort of a reputation built up, and it looks like he's continuing that. You know, Dwayne Washington is an important special teams player who has produced on occasion when given the opportunity as a running back, so he's certainly in the competition. You know, but the thing we talk about the depth at running back, and, and really – what it is is a competition, a close competition, to grab the final spot or two on the depth chart. Uh, you know, I they keep, as you mentioned, keep kicking the tires because they're not totally satisfied with the depth at running back. They feel pretty good about Mark Ingram as the number two guy, but after that, especially if something were to happen with Kamara, I don't think they're they're prepared to uh, think the court date is is you know, been kicked down the road to next year. It's been kicked down to late September, early October, but, you know, they still have to be prepared in case something happens uh, during the season. And right now I don't think they feel great about the entire depth chart at running back. I do think we need to include Abram Smith, the undrafted free agent out of Baylor. He's a guy who came here um looking like one of the better undrafted free agents they were able to sign. He's a strong guy. He's a very smart guy. Uh, he played linebacker as a junior, uh, so he's a very physical runner, but he's also a guy who sees the defense very well. And so I think he's a guy 
a different type of runner, but he reminds me of Boston Scott from Louisiana Tech a few years ago who um, wound up on the practice squad and then got signed off of it by the Eagles and is still in the NFL. I think he has similar potential uh, for sticking around. With Jameis out, how has the red rifle Andy Dalton looked in camp? He's looked very sharp. Uh, I think he's looked kind of the way you would expect a guy who's been around that long, who's started, you know, a hundred some odd games in the NFL. Um, he he understands what he's doing. He's picked up the offense very very quickly. Very smart guy. Uh, has seen everything a quarterback can see. Uh, certainly in regards to what he's going to see in training camp anyway. And uh, he's just, you know, he steps right in um, to the first team reps, and it's seamless, and he conducts the offense. He knows where everybody's supposed to line up. Uh, He goes through his uh, checkdowns very efficiently, uh, very, very accurate delivering the ball, Uh, certainly does not have the arm strength that Jameis Winston has. But if he were forced to play, Uh, for any period of time, and um, we'll probably see a lot of him on Saturday night uh, in Houston, although they haven't said yet um, what the rotation is going to be. But I think if he were to play in the regular season, you would see the game plan and the the play calling shift a little bit because he's not going to be the downfield threat that Jameis Winston is, but he's going to make the right decisions and he's going to deliver the ball on time and with accuracy. And so I think they feel if they have to play their number two quarterback this year, uh, they feel much better than they did last year. Well, of course, they wound up playing four quarterbacks. Unless they take on the Houston Texans in the first preseason game on Saturday. Um, look, it's always the first preseason game, so you can't really take a lot from that. But what are you looking for as someone who covers this team? Are there certain things that you kind of maybe got your ears perked up for for Saturday's game? Well, I want to see how the first team offensive line operates and then the second team offensive line because that's probably where you go see Trevor Penning. And uh, and I'm going to post a story later today kind of previewing. I'm, I'm looking at it as a week. I'm not looking at it as Saturday's game because they go straight from Houston to Green Bay, practice against the Packers, and then play the Packers on Friday. So over that seven-day stretch, they have five uh, significant events uh, against other NFL teams. And Trevor Penning, I think, is going to get tested not only as a rookie football player, but they're, they're, they're going to test him to see if he tries, see how physical he really is with them. And, and they'll be eager, I think, to give back as much as they might take from him after he had those altercations in camp. Uh, last week so I think he is a guy who's going to be tested by the veterans so I think how they hold up in the trenches is going to be important because we're going to see Hurst and we're going to see Penning and we're going to get our first real indication of how that competition is going to succeed Teron Armstead but you also want to see how Cesar Ruiz does at right guard and I think you want to see how that unit Uh, operates as a group. I I don't know if Ryan Ramchak is going to get a ton of snaps because they don't need to look at him. But nonetheless, they want the starting five to have some time together. So that's something 
I'm going to look at. And then I think you just you look at the depth. You, you know, when the, it gets a little sloppy in the second half generally, but that's where jobs are being won and lost with the guys who are going to be second and third team and special teamers. And so as ugly as the game might get later on, that's when you really zero in on individuals because those are the guys trying to earn roster spots. Les, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy covering the game. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you next week, bud. Okay, thanks, Raymond. That's Les East from CrescentCitySports.com breaking it all down for us about the black and gold. We got to take a timeout. Phone lines will be open for a few minutes. You want to squeeze in a phone line. You want to react to what Les had to say about the Hoodats. Love to hear from you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 11th, 1919. The Green Bay Packers Football Club is officially founded by George Calhoun and Curly Lambeau. The club is named after sponsor, the Indian Packing Company. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Arneville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cook-off on Saturday, September the 10th. The cooking is going to begin at 8 a.m. and the eating, which is the most important part for me, will begin at noon at the Flower Auditorium there in Arneville. Look, there's also going to be plenty of live music, including our friend Gerald Grunig and Gentile Zydeco, Dustin Sonier, and Sweet Cecilia are among the acts that are going to be taking the stage to entertain all of you there. Once again, if you want more information about the Black Pot Cook-Off from the Arneville Volunteer Fire Department, go visit arnevillefire.org. That's arnevillefire.org. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. We asked you, because someone said, hey, this is an easy poll question, RP3. You didn't really put much effort into it. This should be easy. Well, I thought it was going to be easy. But you guys are proving me wrong this morning on this glorious Thursday, August the 11th edition of our show. Because I asked you, which Saints starting wide receiver from 2021 is going to get cut? I thought this was pretty easy. I thought this was going to be like, 90 percentile with the leader in the clubhouse. But y'all proved me wrong. Remember last year, they started Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris slash now Harty, Marquez Callaway, and Kevin White. They also started, uh, gave little Jordan Humphrey some love. He's no longer with the team. So which starting wide receiver from 2021 is going to get cut? Because look, they only typically carry six. So you got Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, the Rook, and Jarvis Landry. That's three right there. They're keeping Deontay hard because he's an all-pro return man. So that's four. 
We know they like Traquan Smith's blocking abilities, even though he can't catch the football consistently. So that's five. And then Callaway led the team in receiving last year. That's six. So this should be nearly a 100% vote for Kevin White, one of the biggest draft busts in history. By the way, once again, we focus so much on the quarterback position. We focus on that being a high bust percentage. I'm here to tell you, wide receivers bust more than quarterbacks. Once again, it's a team game. It's just not about the quarterbacks. But right now, 76% of you say Kevin White. 15% of you say say Deontay Harty. Are y'all trolling me? Are y'all messing with us this morning? Do y'all think the Saints are going to cut the all-pro return guy? Who may be the fastest guy on the team? Y'all funny today. Y'all got jokes. Y'all got jokes today. I mean, David Dugas commented earlier, well, you didn't make this poll very difficult, LOL. I didn't think I did, but apparently I have. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'll update it before we wrap up today's show. But right now, it's time for us to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk NASCAR with Toby Christie from tobychristie.com. That's coming up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Are you sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or hips or back, especially this time of year? You need to be moving pain-free, right? Hey, it's RP3 for the team at QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is helping people here every day, giving them lasting pain relief using the latest advances in regenerative medicine. The science is simple. They concentrate your own body's healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissue with no drugs, no steroids, and no surgery. Listen, the old remedies for pain are not the only remedies. You need to learn more about how regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can change your life. Make this the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. They've got clinics here and all over America. This is the exciting new natural way to deal with joint pain with no side effects and no downtime. Call QC Kinetics right now for a free consultation. That's 337-243-4222. QC Kinetics. Once again, 337-243-4222. Time for us to switch gears, if you will. We've talked a lot of college football, talked a lot of NFL training camp and Major League Baseball. But now it's time to get some rubbing is racing talk. There's no one better to do that with than the man from tobychristie.com. Toby Christie joins us. Brother, good morning to you, bud. How are you? RP3, I'm doing good. How you doing, my dude? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Now, I had an excellent vacation. I feel recharged, rejuvenated for the fall. I know you've taken a vacation as well, but do we feel as good and as relieved as Kevin Harvick does right now? Because it'd been a while since he had uh, tasted victory lane, so to speak, and uh, he came off an impressive win there at Michigan. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it was starting to look like maybe we had seen Kevin Harvick's last win. I mean, it was really looking realistic because they had just been so far out 
uh, in a bunch of races this year, last year. So uh, I think they are sighing a huge sigh of relief. And now for the competition, this could be trouble because once these guys get hot, once Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers find something, uh, typically they go on, on long streaks of, of good performance. So uh, this, this could be the beginning of the end for the competition, uh, or it could just be a blip on the radar. We'll have to see, but. I'm tended uh, to believe that this might be a, a start of something big for the four team. Let's talk about some other news that came out this week, and that's uh, Petty GMS signing uh, Noah Gragson uh, as a full-time driver in the number 42 car. Uh, what can you tell us? Why did they decide to make this move? Yeah, I mean, I was out there uh, yesterday at the announcement, and uh, Mike Beam said that you know from the from the get-go they wanted a young driver. Uh, Mari Gallagher, who is from uh, the Vegas area, uh, has uh, Allegiant Airlines and, and stuff like that, uh, has always wanted a Las Vegas native driver. Uh, Mike Beam said he's always wanted the Bush brothers or somebody to that nature. Uh, and when Noah became available, uh, Mari wanted him, and, and they got the deal done. Uh, so, you know, Gregson obviously says that he's a risk. He understands that part of it from being an aggressive guy, a young driver uh, who doesn't have the kind of sponsorship that some of the other guys coming up the the pike would have had uh so he, he understands that he says he appreciates the situation uh and is ready to get to get to work uh he, he sounded very genuine very sincere and uh but it really seemed like his goal is to run as many laps next year and, and just try to cause as little trouble as possible while learning in the cup series oh but what's his background obviously in vegas but you know what's his background what type of driver is he uh, and uh, you know what kind of what kind of skill set does he bring to the car the number 42 yeah, so Noah Gregson's a guy that if you give him a good car, he can definitely win a race. Uh, he's very aggressive, uh, which sometimes can be a hindrance, but we've seen that over the years with lots of guys. Dale Earnhardt Sr. was about as aggressive as it gets, and he won seven championships. So um, it, it really depends on, you know, the fine line of how you use the aggression. Uh, but uh, that's come into question a few times with Noah Gregson, especially Road America a few weeks back. Um, but as long as he can get those kind of things cleaned up where he's not just swiping left or swiping right on somebody on a, on a straightaway, I think Noah Gregson, the sky's the limit for the guy. He's won several truck series races. He's won several Xfinity series races. He's a perennial championship contender and everything he's been in. Now, obviously, he's driven for Kyle Busch and trucks and Dale Jr. and Xfinity, so he's had some great equipment. Uh, but, I mean, the fact that he's always in the mix for the championship, uh, there's something to be said about that. Toby, let's talk about the Chicago street race that nascar has secured uh some folks not too happy they feel like the terms are a little lopsided uh when it, can, it comes in particular to the permit you know why did nascar decide to go down this road to do a street race in chicago and what do you make of the terms well when you look at street races this isn't something new nascar has wanted to do this since bill france jr was in charge of the sport that was a big uh, portion of what he focused on in the late 80s before Sonoma came onto the schedule because they were losing Riverside. Uh, there was a big uh, contingent effort for the series to build a brand new car, the, the NASCAR LR car, which would turn left and right on road and street courses. Uh, ultimately, that didn't come to fruition, and Sonoma became available on the schedule. Uh, so they kind of squashed the, the street course hopes uh, at the time. Uh, but this is a thing that NASCAR has wanted to do for a very, very long time. Uh, so I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone. Uh, but I, I think, honestly, I've seen a lot of people saying that they don't think it'll put on a good race because of all the 90-degree hairpin turns and the thing. Uh, but if you remember back, we heard a lot of people say that the uh, the Roval wouldn't put on a good race 
And we've heard all sorts of different new tracks uh, recently that wouldn't put on a good race, like Nashville Super Speedway. We get there, and the races have been great. So um, I really think we should look at it first before we judge it. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where it could put on a heck of a show, and it might be something that we want to do in lots of other big markets uh, going forward, uh, like a one-off every year at a different uh, street course. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded. I want to see how it turns out before I kind of, uh, you know, Drop uh, drop deuces on this thing. <laughs> We're talking with Toby Christie. Covers NASCAR for TobyChristie.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, but let's talk, you know, before Harvick got into, you know, victory lane, you know, we had a stretch there where it was the Tyler Reddick and Chase Elliott show for, what, mm-hmm. the, the entire month of July? With the exception of yeah. Christopher Bell's win, it's just Reddick and Elliott. What makes them so much better than everyone else here lately in the last month, month and a half of the season. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about Reddick is that he's been starting to get it done on road courses, which is something that, you know, he's worked hard on the last few years and really put a lot of effort into it. But his strength had been, you know, the mile and a half and, and the short tracks and stuff like that. Heck, he had Bristol Dirt one earlier in the year until he was taken out in the final turn. So there's been a lot of places that Tyler Reddick had a chance to win, and, and now he's starting to really uh, – make his case on these road courses. We got Watkins Glen in a couple races. We got the Roval later in the year. That could play big. Uh, but Chase Elliott, he's been good everywhere. I mean, there's just – there's nobody that had really asserted themselves as a guy who could be consistent in this new car yet until Chase Elliott won on this recent stretch uh, of three wins and five races, and he had five straight top two finishes. That's unheard of. And uh, I, I think if he can put that kind of a stretch together as we get closer to the playoffs here, as once we get in the playoffs, I don't know if anybody's stopping that. That's just incredible. I know it all comes down to a one race, uh, four guys, whoever finishes higher kind of deal. Uh, but, man, I think you have that kind of a, a, an advantage mentally going into the, the final race, and I, I think you're unstoppable at that point. Only three races remain before the playoffs begin, the round of 16, and that'll be in September. So we got Richmond this weekend. That's the Federated Auto Parts 400. And then it's go bowling at the Glen. You mentioned the Watkins Glen race. And then the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona. Three races left. Who's in danger? Who's on the bubble when it comes to making making it to the playoffs? Well, I mean, as we've seen, Martin Church Jr. is currently on the outside looking in. He's fourth in the actual regular season point standings. So this weekend's a big weekend for him. He won this race at Richmond last year. He's been very good at Richmond. Toyotas as a whole have been good at Richmond. Uh, so this is Martin Truex Jr.'s chance to get back into the playoffs and, and secure his spot. At the same token, if he gets in, that puts Ryan Blaney, who's second in the regular season point standings, on the outside looking in, which is unheard of that the second-place guy in points would not make the playoffs. Uh, but then, you know, Ryan Blaney has a good race at Daytona coming up as well. He's been very good at these plate-style tracks. Uh, so there's a situation where you get Truex in this week, maybe you get Blaney in at Daytona, and then somebody who's won a race, is on the outside looking in. So there's a lot of weird different scenarios happening at this point, and uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. I don't think anybody's safe. I don't think anybody is, uh, is you know, like that for sure locked that isn't in currently to go, yeah, that guy's definitely going to get in. So it's been such an unpredictable beast this year with the next-gen car uh, that I don't think anybody understands what's going to happen here in the next three weeks. Give me someone that's maybe under the radar, that you feel, based on how they've performed the last five or six races, is trending in a direction where they could put themselves in position to make a spot, make it into the playoffs? No, oh, Bubba Wallace, for sure. The guy's had 
Uh, four straight top ten finishes now. His average finish in the last four races is four and a half. He finished second this past weekend at Michigan uh, after sitting on the pole. And Bubba Wallace has been trending for sure. We're coming up on Richmond where Toyotas are always fast. He's in a Toyota, so he'll have a chance to kind of pull from the resources there. He's got Kurt Busch's uh, pit crew until Kurt Busch gets back, so that's the only issue the 23 team had had really all season long was their pit crew. Um, and, you know, he even showed, uh, you know, road course prowess at the Indianapolis road course finishing fifth. Watkins Glen's coming up, and we know he's great at Daytona. So I really think that if somebody from the outside – Currently, that's not Martin Church Jr. is going to work their way in from, you know, about 20th or so in points. I think it's got to be Bubba Wallace. Wrapping up our conversation with Toby Christie of tobychristie.com covers NASCAR. All right. I want to ask another question about the, the next gen car. Now that we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs, what's the thing that surprised you about the car and how drivers are dealing with it? And maybe you weren't anticipating when the season began. Man, I just think it's the fact that nobody's really, you know, aside from Chase Elliott and that little stretch, just nobody has found the way to be the dominant force. Because every year we always go, man, like these two drivers are, are head and shoulders above everybody else. But even Chase Elliott, he's got four wins. One of them was gifted to him when the top two were DQ to Pocono. But, man, I mean, it's very, very even at this point. We've got 15 different winners already. That's never happened at this point in the season. So this is this is just unprecedented stuff we're seeing. Toby, before I let you go, bud, tell the people how they can follow you and where they can go to get all the great material and everything that you're doing covering stock car racing. Yeah, or P3, they can go to tobychristie.com, obviously the website. They can follow me on Twitter at Toby underscore Christie. The website's uh, on Twitter at tobychristie.com. And for the website, literally every social media channel is tobychristie.com. So whether it be YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, go check it out, TobyChristy.com, and that's how you can follow us on those. Toby, appreciate your time as always, brother. We'll talk to you soon, bud. RP3, slip back into reality. Vacation's over, buddy. <laughs> that it is, my friend. That it is. That's Toby Christie from TobyChristy.com. Covers NASCAR, one of the best guys out there uh, doing it. And uh, he's exactly correct. Any of us that follow the sport, uh, they've had 15 different winners. 15. That, that doesn't happen. The next-gen car has really kind of leveled the playing field, so to speak. Yet, Chase Elliott, son of Hall of Famer Bill, and one of the most gifted and beloved drivers of all time, has seemingly found a way to kind of get that checkered flag more often than others. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll wrap up today's show. We'll finalize the poll question of the day, and we'll get you set up for Kevin Foote. In footnotes, it will not be a glorious morning. That's all coming up next right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Just a reminder... Astros Day Baseball is on deck. Rubber match between Rangers, Strohs from the Big Juice Box, Minute Maid Ballpark. You can listen to it live right here on the Game 110 first pitch. That means no Jordy Holberg show today, but you get day baseball. Astros, they're going to be chippy. They're going to be chippy about blowing that game against the Rangers last night. A game they should have won. Still don't understand why you have Ryan Presley, your closer out there, strikes out the side, and you don't bring him back out there again while the game is still tied in the 10th. 
You telling me he can't pitch another inning? You bring in the other guy, and he wets himself and gives up five runs. Oof. So they'll be they'll be a little chippy today. Also, why isn't Mancini in the lineup more, and why is Yuli still batting too? I, I don't I, I don't understand. Dusty not being there is uh, eh, just saying. But they'll look to win the series, which they haven't done. Last time they won a series was against the Mariners. Remember, they lost the series to Boston. Then they split with Cleveland. They, they're due. First pitch, 110. You can listen to it live right here on the game. Astro launch, 1240. Stroh's baseball right here. I want to take a moment to thank our guests. They made this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company tremendous. Jim Gazzolo, the great one, from the Lake Charles American Press, talking all things McNeese Cowboys football. As they're in the midst of fall camp, the first one under new head coach Gary Goff. Appreciate Jim for his time. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com, talking all things New Orleans Saints training camp, the wide receivers, the running backs, and, of course, how the Red Rifle looked. And a little bit of a taste of what the preseason game may look like on Saturday against Houston. And, of course, Toby Christie, talking all things NASCAR with our guy from tobychristie.com. So I want to thank all of our guests. want to thank all the fine folks that decided to give us a call this morning, Halftime and Martin. Appreciate that. And, of course, appreciate all of you who voted and commented on the poll question of the day. We asked you, which guy do you think is going to get cut from the wide receiving core? Once again, Michael Thomas is your one. Chris Olave, your rookies are going to be number two. Jarvis Landry is going to be your three. That's your three starting wide receivers. Deontay Harris turn Hardy is going to be your number four. He's the all-pro return man, and he can take the top off the defense. But what about Traquan Smith? He's only on that one-year deal. Could they decide to part ways with him despite his blocking ability? What about Marquez Callaway? He led the team in receiving last year, even though he was inconsistent. What about Kevin White? Final results, 78% of you said Kevin White. That's the correct answer. 14% for some reason say Deontay Hardy because you're just trolling me this morning. 6% say Traquan Smith and 2% say Marquez Callaway. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day and commented on the poll question of the day, including Robert Duplachan, who came in. It has to be white. I think the other three can contribute more. So thanks to all of you that took part in the poll question of the day. That's going to do it for today's show. For the producer extraordinaire and number one John Conley fan from Slidell, Louisiana, Miss Hannah Five Names. I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow from 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote, the footer, the footsie, is up next with footnotes. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.